everyone, and welcome to Writers Drinking Coffee. This is a podcast of a bunch of writers sitting around drinking and talking about writing, publishing, and the whole creative process. We will not censor ourselves, so consider us PG-13. Today's hosts involve all the usual cast of characters with a repeat guest, Alma Alexander. This is episode 72, A Creature by Any Other Stripe. Welcome back, Alma. Hey, nice to be back. Thank you for having me. Oh, delighted. We we were thinking because you also wrote a series on shape-shifting. We had uh, Carrie Vaughn had been with us previously talking about her kitty books, but you have a, a wider Wear Chronicles set with a lot more animals, right? Tell us about yours. Well, you know what they say about the fact that there's no original ideas left in the world, that the last original story was told around the fire and then Neanderthal times? Well, to take a quote from one of my favorite musicals, Camelot, will old you humilité, I think I actually got about three or four brand new ideas in here that nobody's ever actually touched on before. Um, oh, yeah. Starting with my with my creature kind of characters, um, I don't know if anybody, I, I don't think I've ever seen it before. I don't know, maybe you know about somebody, but I haven't seen it before. Do you, have you ever heard of a concept of a random where? Random. Random? Yeah. No. I think there's there's many animals that I've seen that are by nature well, turned into men. In, in my little sphere, um, random weirs, they, they will turn into something and then that is going to be their basic form, as it were. But they're also blessed or cursed, depending on the circumstances. If they get hit by seeing something at the point of their turn, they're going to turn into the last warm-blooded creature they see as they turn. Wow. Which can be, well, random. Um, my, uh, my protagonist's mother is, uh, is a weird chicken because of an unfortunate farmyard oh. accident. She just happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time, and the last thing she saw was a chicken, so she stayed a chicken. Um, and she, she gets so, stuck like that for the rest of her life? As a basic form, yes. If she is somewhere and she, she happens to be next to a cat, as she turns, she's going to turn into the cat. Yeah. Oh. Um, so, so it's a kind of an echo you, shift. Can you fake this so that, you, I mean, there she is. She is doomed to turn into a chicken, and she doesn't want to. So the next time she finds herself turning, she dashes off to find a cat. Would that work? It would if she wanted to, but mostly they're trying very hard to keep themselves. Well, we'll get to this. Um, okay. My other, uh, my my other new idea is that you know the the ran, the, the, the weirs tend to in in a classical form and classical literature tend to turn in the full moon, right? Well, yeah. I've got new moon weir as well. Okay. Oh, so how does that affect? changing though is it i mean well, is it instead, still... of, instead of turning or changing for three days at the full moon they do that when the, in the new moon so basically they just kind of randomly <laughs> shall i use the word uh, oppose they just turn the wrong phase of the moon okay. so what i've got here is is a hierarchy right now i've got here a, a sort of social setup i have the old world where we're critters are still very much hidden feared hunted destroyed because people don't understand them and you've got the new world which is kind of sort of america um where they are integrated into society and kind of accepted sort of but they have to carry id cards with paw prints on them mm, oh 
and they um, th there is a thing that they, they are accepted. They are in society. They are kind of among us, but they have to live by rules like you wouldn't believe. And when they are turned, when at turn times, they literally have to, if you are well healed enough, lock yourself up into your own little cage and and you know have somebody supervise you while you're turned into a different animal form. Or if you don't happen to have that luxury, you have to show up at a government-run turning house. And, <laughs> oh, wow. and basically, these are houses of ill repute, very ill repute. I'm sure they are. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> because they, they don't really treat them very well there. But then there's all kinds of other hierarchies within the weir because you've got the, the sort of the top rank weir and then the totem pole all the way down. And um, at the top of the totem pole are the very shadowy and very, uh, very secretive and very kind of, and I didn't mean to make them the villains, and they're not really, but they sort of are, the actual lichens, the werewolves themselves. Well, what about, um, I was going to say, that's, that's very kind of Western and European-centric. In, in Mesoamerica, the Nahuals could, one of their common forms that they talk about is the were-turkey, and I'm just saying that's very close to a dinosaur. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> And so That's the chicken would be uh, I said I've got just a range of other creatures all the way down the totem pole. The corvids are the, the next kind of ranking and the, the, the ravens and crows and what have you. They're the next rank down and then then there's a kind of rank all the way down. But here we have a situation where um in, in the first these I've got three books in this series and they're not a trilogy, they're a triptych. Excellent. So they're basically the same story. But they're told through different, each book is told through a different prism, a different viewpoint. Mm -hmm. Neat. So, so tell us a little bit more about that. So they're, I mean, are they, it's the same world, but it's just three different characters within the world. And they, there you have different wear, wear shapes. Yeah, well, the first book is random and it concerns Jazz, who um, happens to be a youngest daughter in a random family. And um, she makes a mess of things by um, turning at a slightly uh, inconvenient moment and nobody had provided you see the thing is for a young random the first time they turn they have to imprint on a creature because that's their form that's their final form yeah. so before they they turn for the first time they get locked in a turning room with the creature they want to be right but she's too young for this, and there's nobody was prepared. Nothing was prepared for her. Nothing was expected for her. But she was in the same room with uh, a friend of hers, and so she turns into a boy. Okay. She's she's a weird boy. Oh, I love that. <laughs> oh, that's so clever. I mean, the same boy, or or does it? You know, do the. I mean, because it's true. Well, it, into her own version of a boy, but she turns into a male. <laughs> oh, so, so <laughs> which, it's as if she were a male. Okay. Oh, that's cool. Which which kind of plays havoc with everything because no, a nobody saw this was possible, and um, b the the people who are who are sort of babysitting her while her parents and you know her family is changed is turned, kind of lose their collective shit about it. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Uh, but nobody knows what to do with her. Um, and it, it sort of gets hushed up and, and swept under the carpet. But there's a problem here that is worse than this because she has an older brother. And the older brother, who is also a random, um, basically hasn't turned yet. He's 17. He's the oldest unturned weir of his generation. And he's starting to feel the fact that everybody knows this. He's being pointed at and laughed at because he just hasn't turned. 
So he decides to take matters into his own hands and he engineers it. He's a random, but he engineers a turn into a lichen, into a wolf. And because he turns into a wolf, therefore he's no longer random. So the wolves take him in as a, as a real lichen, as a wolf. Ah. He hasn't thought this through at all. Because no. He's doing this because of a very good reason. He's absolutely bowed by the load of guilt um, because there is, you see, um, a situation here. There was another sister. Huh? Another sister who was um, the older sister who was who turned into something weird at school and was bullied and bullied and bullied. And then she had a special occasion where she needed to be herself to be to, to go and see a favorite writer of hers. But her teacher, who is a piece of work, uh, who hated the weir, and he made absolutely sure that he could do whatever that he wants to spite them. He made sure that that happened when she was supposed to be turned. And there's a drug which you can take to delay your turn. So she took an overdose. Oh, oh. And an overdose that was given to her by her brother. Ooh. Uh, and he's kind of living under the guilt of this and he's completely wrecked by it mm-hmm. um, and um, when he turns in he, he turns into a wolf because the wolves are the ones who develop this drug oh okay, oh, oh, okay. and he, oh. he's absolutely determined to get to the bottom of this and, and find out have closure have revenge have something the moral of the story is don't go see your favorite writer if you um, are a shapeshifter I think <laughs> But the re- the, the, he he can't do this by himself. So that's that's the second book. That's Wolf. But he oh, okay. can't do this by himself. And the third book is Shifter. And the, the Shifter, the character, he's a complete freak. He's an outlier. He's not really a weir. He's a shifter. He can turn into whatever he wants whenever he wants to. And it's he who he's a, he's a good friend of our little Wolf. But when and, and he has his own reasons to be um, interested in what the wolves are doing, so he bites the boy to turn him into a wolf uh-huh. by turning into a wolf himself. So he's the one that pushes this whole thing forward. And uh-huh. I'm going to, and and it's it's just the, the whole thing is wrapped around the sister who is a central figure in all of this, and they're all working around this guilt complex about what happened to the sister, which isn't really what happened to the sister at all. So there's a whole complex things going on. And of course, these are the books that I've turned full circle on because what I did, I don't know if you guys know this, but I've got a master's degree in molecular biology. Mm -hmm. Ah, really? So what I did was I just sat down and I worked a completely cogent and perfectly feasible genetic basis for being weird. Cool. So, so not harkening back to the uh, the the first where's one of the early weird stories I remember was Thetis the Titan turning into a fly by Zeus who tricked her and swallowed her and that's where we got Athena later. Yeah, well, uh, in this case, um, there is um, I'm going to get a little bit technical here. There are things called operons, and operons in our gen- in our genetic material, basically nothing is consistently connected in our genome you've got bits here and bits there and bits somewhere else and in between is a lot of junk dna and what an operon does is basically tell the thing that is supposed to be happening with that gene okay we are starting to read this gene now this is the gene we're looking for and it's going to send the the rna the reading uh, genetic material 
from bit to bit to bit until we get the right thing happening. But in between, there's a lot of junk DNA, which is not really junk DNA because it works for other things with other operons. It's all interconnected. So what I'm just positing is that there's a separate operon in a, in a weird creature, which then starts reading the genetic material for that creature. I like it. I like it. My uh, my old professor, the guy who, uh, who was basically presiding over my master's degree, actually said the science is as good as it gets. Oh, cool. <laughs> cool. Do you do, so I, in there, did I miss how you deal with mass conversion? Uh, no, good question. And I actually get into that too because of the shifter, because he can t- change into anything. And at one point, he's actually in a situation where he changes into several creatures in quick, in, in quick succession. And he explains this because it's a conversion thing. Um, you get an increase in metabolism the smaller you get and a decrease in metabolism the higher, the, the bigger you get from your own shape because that's the payoff. In other words, you are a supercharged mouse, but you're, if you turn into a bear, you're practically comatose. Oh, I huh. can see that. So if I go to Dragon, for instance, all I'm going to do is lie around in the sun all day. Pretty much. Oh, no. No, no. Yeah. I can make this sound good. But you couldn't turn into a dragon because dragons are reptile and they're not warm-blooded. Well, in that case, I couldn't turn into Thetis's fly either, really, because they're also not really warm-blooded. No, my, my, my premise is that this is a warm-blooded thing. Okay. okay. I like it. Cause... No, I like that. So you couldn't be a dragon. You couldn't be a lizard. You couldn't be one of those Arachne things. Arachne but... couldn't turn into a spider in this theory. but Yeah, but you could be a cat. And, you know, what else yeah. would you want to be? So, Alma, what are the names of your three shapeshifter books so that we know how to read them in order? First one is Random. Second one is Wolf. Third one is Shifter. But is there going joy- to be a fourth? Sorry? Is there going to be a fourth? Uh, well, let me just say the joy of it is you don't have to read them in order because there is an omnibus edition in which they all appear in order, so you can read them in the order in which they appear. And the omnibus is due to, to drop in the December the, the, the 8th um, of, of this benighted year of 2020. I love the omnibuses of everything. That was how I've gotten a whole lot of books. As for your other question, whether there's going to be number four, there's probably going to be four, five, and six at some point because I left myself myself open. I mean, I basically started a war at the end of these books. (laughs) Now now I have a sort of a a debt to the people I threw into it. So when you view of this, I mean, and, and I loved that you went over your, the history you had of the, the actual biology of how this could possibly work. What did, where did you look back in history to say, I don't want to do that and I don't want to do that? What were your favorite uh, history of shape-shifting stories or therianthropy or? Well, I'm not sure I did it that way. Um, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a complete pantser. I don't really do that kind of historical thing um but um i know i read enough of the stuff that that was in there that i didn't think that there was a random weir in the mix before um i just kind of added that in as extra spice but the the thing about these this is look i do this all the time i start out something and it's supposed to be a short story and before i know it it's a book and before i know it it's three books (laughs) When is the moment that you realize this first one was more than a short story? Well, was it just like, oh, gosh, I'm, I, here I am at 6,000 words and I am so not done? Here I am at 10,000 words and I'm so not done. <laughs> um, but the thing about this book is that it, the, these books is that the, the, the world evolved at such a speed and it was with such complexity 
that I had this fruiting mushroom fungi body that was throwing out spores left, right, and center, and I just had to scramble to follow. So if somebody was going to get in, do you have any ones that you think are similar? Because there's shape-shifting is very popular online. It is like one of the the hot new things to do. Have you ever, do you consider them pure fantasy or is there a touch of romance or is there a touch of noir and darkness? What's, what's your meld on these? There's a, a very organic kind of romantic subplot here with Mal and his, um, his wolf pack that, um, that takes place, that takes shape around him. Um, he, when, when he's, when he's thrown among the, when he's thrown to the wolves, so to speak, mm. Um, he kind of tries to find his feet and then he gets placed in the pack by the powers that be in, in the wolf pack and they get mated by the wolf pack. They basically get, the decisions get made. Like you and you are going to get married or mated and you, because we want those children. And he gets mated to this girl now, who turns out to be a very special character in her own right. Is this Jazz? And, because No, Jazz, Jazz is the younger sister. Okay. Um, Mal gets mated to a girl called Asia, who is a bit of a wild child, who is a little bit of an outlier herself. And they kind of decided to, to, you know, to get these two outlying wolves that didn't quite mesh in the real kind of wolf pack. But they were going to throw them together and see what happens. And they become a partnership. They become a, a real... Initially, it was a question of, oh, my God, I don't even know you. <laughs> but... But they start working together and they start working as a pair, as a partnership. And one of my absolutely favorite scenes in this entire series is when Asia basically defies her original pack and says, the alpha female forms a new pack. You made me an alpha female. I'm forming my own pack. You made it happen. Goodbye. <laughs> That's excellent. So I had... There was a line on yours because I haven't read these. I still have to uh, wait for the omnibus and pick them up. Although I loved your Secrets of Gin Sheet. Just had to throw that in there. I read it since Thanks. we did our thing. Oh, it's magnificent. You all have to go run out and read it right now. But back to this thing. You had a story uh, on your webpage. You talk about Jazz March and say she changed into a boy, just a human boy or a wolf boy or yeah, a human boy. She changed into a boy. That's fantastic. And so, quite aside from anything else, I mean, this is something that, that wreaks havoc with your own psychology because all of a sudden you've got a completely different point of view from everything. Well, it is. I mean, and I am loving the the story of characters that have shifted different genders. I mean, they are all through history, through mythology. We all remember that Loki turned into a girl and then gave birth to, you know, slept near the horse. And then, so I think well, it's it, great. What, what were you thinking of when you wrote it? Were you thinking just the shock of the psychology or was this sort of a, an, an homage and an acknowledgement to transgender? I didn't really begin it by that, but of course it did become a little bit of an exploration in the subject matter, inevitably because of all the, the things that, that kind of got dragged into it. And one of the things that, that, that she found out that I found out as she found out is basically she gets turned into a male form. That's her, her basic wear form. She gets turned into a male form, which means that her entire body changes and her her uh, genetics and her hormones and her everything changes uh, and her innards change for those three days, hmm. which means, as she was told, that she will basically never be able to carry a pregnancy to term. Mm. Right, because once yeah. a month if you're not a girl. Yeah. Because it's, it's, a, it's an automatic miscarriage. Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing, there's the question of 
What if she's one of those that thought to herself, you know, wow, whatever I do, I don't want to have children. And you can say that. And then somebody says, well, not only can you can't, but you cannot physically have children. Was that, does that give you a little bit of, well, hey, I don't know that I wanted to, but being told I can't, there's a, there's a conflict there. There is a little bit of a twinge in her, that thing. But what, what, when I say there's going to be three more, there's a second generation in place already. The sister had a child in circumstances which I will not even tell you about. You better find out in the books. Right. Um, mm-hmm. she, this, this, this girl, this child is basically a product of the Lycan's genetic programming type of thing. And she's completely insane. You, um, you've just made me think about something that I've never thought before. So here's, here's something kind of fun. We have, as human, blood types. I have never thought about, do animals have blood types? Do they have blood types? Yeah, I think so. Do they, are, are they the similar blood type? Because I know insulin, you give your insulin to your diabetic cat. For instance, I've had a diabetic cat. It, it's the same kind of insulin as you give that. So I was suddenly interested in, is it blood typing? That means because if you have, if I am turning into a werewolf and I was pregnant... I am still pregnant as a werewolf because I'm still, you know, female and pregnant and all that. But is there any weird thing for my puppies or does the blood shift? Because I was just thinking about blood shift suddenly and I've never thought of that before. So it's your fault. Well, once, <laughs> once you're actually pregnant, all kinds of other things come into play. Because my particular story is that when a woman gets a weird creature, a woman gets pregnant, she stops shifting. Okay. For the duration of that pregnancy. So you can't just, start, you're not pregnant as a woman and then you shift into a pregnant wolf. Okay. Now I'm suddenly having a reverse. What if Chaz here, sorry, Uh-oh. I'm going to use you, Chaz, you suddenly turn into this kind of weird creature, but because the human nearest you, let's say the boys are locked in the room, is Karen, you change into a woman for three nights a year. I mean, three nights a month. Yeah. What if you get knocked up while you're a girl? I suspect you, I lose it when I become a boy again. Man. You change back to a man and the whole thing goes away. Yeah. Okay. Probably uncomfortably. Thank you, Jeannie, for wishing this upon me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm terribly sorry. I just feel obliged to kind of throw it out there as a... No, absolutely. I'm looking at this both ways because this makes... I I love the way you're making me stop and think, Alma. Well, um, I had to kind of think this through (laughs) when I got there. This is what I mean when I started writing this story and all of a sudden I was thinking, this is not a short story. This is just not. <laughs> this is too complicated. I'm not sure I could sum that up in a novella even. Hmm. Yeah, and all of a sudden I had three books on my hands and what have you. But the third, uh, the, the second trilogy is going to be the second generation. Like I said, the sister's yeah. child is a quite mad creature who's already in the lichen hands. And then Mal has a son and my shifter character has twins. And we don't know whether either of them has inherited the actual shifter thing or not. Okay. So there's a whole second generation that's happening there. At some point, I've got too much going on right now. I've got about <laughs> four different projects in the back burner. Well, I loved your Chalky because he reminded me more of like it, the Zeus. Zeus in mythology could change to whatever he wanted at any time, like some of the Titans could too. I mean, I'm a golden shower. Look at me. I'm a plant. Look at me. I'm a swan. Look at me. I'm a... So Yeah, I, know, I never understood the pleasure in being a golden shower, frankly. I always considered it to be a euphemism. <laughs> Did you know? <laughs> That's just me. I, I, I don't take many uh, um, of the, let's call it origin myth books, to be word for word true. Otherwise, <laughs> otherwise you just start giggling madly right about the turtles. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all the way down. 
cool. So, so all right, process-wise, when you – did this just come tumbling out of here? How long did it take you to write? Did you write the three of them consecutively, or are they things that just keep eating you and you come back? What's your – What's your process? Pretty much. I mean, once I started, once I wrote the first book, um, then that ended on a bit of a cliffhanger. And then I wrote the second book from a completely different point of view. But it's the same story. It's just a completely different angle. But well, it takes it a little bit further. And then the third story is kind of the same story, but from Shifter's kind of angle, from Chalky's kind of point of view, which takes it into a different direction altogether. So it's, it's three different prisms, but it's the same story. That's <laughs> why you call it a triptych rather than a trilogy. Yes, right. yes. I like but um, but in in that kind of context, I mean, I was just writing them consecutively, and I was just shifting my my prism, if you like, shifting my lens, and then looking at the story through a different set of eyes. Because every single one of these books is written in the first person, right? So Jazz, Mal, and Chalky, and they all see things from a very different perspective. Sure. Because sure. not not all of them know all the same things. When what do they know? When do they know it? Kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And you, I, I, as a pantser, you don't know those things either until you actually come to write them, right? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, yeah. I mean, you, you do the was, world building as you go. Chalky was a revelation. And I mean, he was a very, he's, he's real. He's, I swear to you, this, this creature is real. There was one point when I was, he was sitting on my bed at three o'clock in the morning, kicking mm-hmm. his heel against the bed and telling me, I did not say what you said I said. And if I did say it, I didn't say it in the way you said I said it. So fix it. <laughs> <laughs> My good, did you see the movie or the man who invented Christmas? The who? It's called the man who invented Christmas, and it's the story of Charles Dickens writing oh, a Christmas oh, oh, yes, carol. I heard of it. I haven't seen it. No. Well, you're going to have to see it because Christopher Plummer plays the first thing he he needs is a main character. And he gets Scrooge. And as soon as he comes up with Scrooge and he says he knows what he's like, Christopher Plummer appears and then mocks him and picks on him for the rest of the movie. And that sounds so much like that. Oh, oh boy, do, you, I, do I identify with that? <laughs> you didn't really need to say anything more than Christopher Plummer, really. Well, that Just sends there. me to one happy place, I tell you. So Yes. No, my, my characters tend to be a very real people. And I tend to get annoyed little notes from them stuck on the sort of post-its on my brain. We did not do this. We don't want to do that. Go in a different direction. We're not, we're on strike. We're not going to do anything you say anymore until you do what we say you do. Exactly. And, and I like it when you lie down and you're about to go to bed and then you're suddenly like, oh crap, I have to get up and write that thing down right now. And then there yeah. you are. Oh yeah. Being there, done that, eating the nightshirt in frustration. Yeah. I don't know, but I, I think there's something in respecting the train because the train isn't always with you. So when the train shows up at your station, you get on and you ride that thing. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, this is, I mean, not, not this particular thing, but uh, one of my, uh, my other stories that I remember, I actually it woke me up because I mostly dreamt it and woke me up at five o'clock in the morning and my computer's downstairs. It's too far away. My husband's office is across the room, across the hall from my bedroom. So five o'clock in the morning and I'm, telling you this now and believe me i am not a morning person i do not get up early willingly or easily i am not at all functional at five o'clock in the morning but this story decided to sort of take root in my brain so i stumbled out of bed crossed the hallway literally to his computer started typing at random just get the story just to get the bones down and he woke up and he came home and said what are you doing i said go away i'm not awake <laughs> best ever now you 
also have, I, I went out and I jumped in on your Kickstarter because I'm dying for a copy of, you have a book about fairy tales coming out soon. Tell us about and, your and Kickstarter. Happens, the, story, the story I just mentioned was actually one of the stories in that book. Um, oh, marvelous. Is it, just, now, I, is it retellings uh, or is it some new myths too that you're giving us? It, it's, it's a mix. It's a mix. There's, there's some things in there that you will recognize as a retelling of something that you will know, but there are completely original things in there as well. Uh, but the story that I was telling you about, the one that woke me up at five o'clock in the morning, um, a couple of years ago, I did, um, I edited an anthology called Children of a Different Sky. I think I actually that read was, that. It was you. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I've admired thing, you for even thing, longer than I thought. <laughs> the, thing, the thing about that was it was supposed to be, it was a, it was a sort of re- gut response to the whole Trump thing and the refugee situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I needed to do something for somebody. So I wrote. I kind of created this anthology for refugees, about refugees, and the proceeds of it were going to refugee charities. So I did that, and that was obviously on my on my brain. And the story that woke me up was, what if your Disney princesses, the, the princesses you know from your Disney princesses, what if they were refugees? And I wrote the story of Cinderella. Refugee That's Cinderella. one of the stories in the fairy tale book. Cinderella as the refugee. Well, Snow White was kind of a refugee when you think about it. Well, she's in there. There's a, there's a four-piece uh, kind of tetralogy of stories in there about four of the Disney princesses. That Cinderella, Sleeping Beauty, Little Mermaid, and Snow White. Yeah. Oh, that totally works. I can see all of those. That's, that's going to be great. So we, were, we will include a link to that so that you can all go out and back it and get your own copy because mine is going to be mine. <laughs> we just broke halfway, so... And is there are there any special things for uh, people who want to contribute more? Oh yeah, um, once I get to a certain when there's a particular level of, of, of pledge, which I'm sure nobody's going to get to, but if they do that, then I'm going to consider original art for the cover. Ooh, and this is her fractured fairy tales Kickstarter. I will put a link into it. Actually, I put links to all of your stories and the interesting things we've mentioned on our website, which is www.writersdrinkingcoffee.com. You can find us on Facebook or Twitter. And if you have questions for Alma, Alma, you're here to answer their questions, right? Absolutely. Fantastic. You've been listening to Writers Drinking Coffee, a labor of love and enthusiasm put together by the hosts. Our main web support magic is brought to you by Deirdre McGaffey-Schween and our sound engineer and backup web spider is Dave Welsh. Our intro music is Pretty Made Milking a Cow and our exit music is Breakfast with the Morning Person, both by Michael Engberg. You can hear more from Michael Engberg on manyhatsmusic.com. Our podcast sponsors are Jackal Designs, who makes all of our cool WDC swag, and the Bean Scene in downtown Sunnyvale, California. And hey, thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.